Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Phil Tiger. Hello, seasonal slackers. I hope you're good. I hope you're uh, full of eggnog. I've literally never had eggnog once. Um, I hope that you have all sorts of uh, Christmas accoutrements around you, that you haven't electrocuted yourself on the tree, and that uh, you're still perplexed about what they put into mince pies after all this time uh, i know i definitely am and it's good to have you here and it's good to good to share another um interview with you um share another demo with you of a, of a brand new artist uh, if you have um have, are eagle-eyed enough and you and you read the description of this before you hit play you'll be like oh wow sean paul all right that's cool um and it was cool it was a really good podcast chatting down before i get into that Something weird has happened in in the last week. The numbers of the Slacker podcast have gone through the roof. They've kind of like, they've like I don't know how many times they've they've gone over, but but like maybe eight times as many as usual. Um, part of me is thinking it might be down to Spotify Wrapped. There was a lot of uh, legendary people out there who had the Slacker podcast as their most listened to podcast of the last um, uh, year. So. Um, big love to you guys for for sticking with it and and binging through uh, the the podcasts. That's that's exactly what they're here for. Um, and I guess greetings to the to the thousands and thousands of new people who've who've started listening to the podcast as of the last week. Um, the good thing about this is that like you haven't missed anything because oh, every single podcast is up there for you to listen again to. Um, going back two three years. Um, you will find something that you like in there. You will find about five or six artists that you at least love um, if you're a music fan in there because it's quite varied. As you can tell, um, this week it's Sean Paul. Last week it, it was Ray. The week before that was it Kurt Vile? Was it Conor Oberst? Um, yeah, so like it's it's just uh, me talking to amazing artists that I, I want to. I have some lined up in the new year that you're going to scratch your head and go, Really? Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm super excited about them because those sort of people I really want to know what their life is like as a musician I have lots of very very interesting ones coming up um, in 2020 2021, god 
Imagine we had to go back and start 2020, back at the start again. Fuck that. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, a lot of um, new new people um, signing up to the, the Slacker podcast Patreon as well, which is patreon.com forward slash Slacker podcast. Thank you guys for that. And if you are fresh and you are new, um, why don't you subscribe to the podcast and then that way you don't have to go looking for it every single week. It'll just turn up every Monday or Tuesday in your um in your inbox uh, or, or wherever it is you listen to your podcast and there you go. You don't even have to think about it. You can leave a rate or review um if you want, but I just I feel like I'm I'm past that stage of just going review this, rate this. It's it does does it really matter? Does it really make a difference? I don't know. Um anyway, right, Sean Paul uh I spoke to him um middle of lockdown one um and i was very excited to speak to him because he's he's kind of outside of the realm of uh artists that i normally do i normally sort of like do quite a lot of like you know alternative uh style style artists so like actually having somebody who's as pop as he is um and who's like literally done as much as he has done as well i thought this is this is good i I like getting out of my comfort zone for these Uh, and it's made me want to do it way more and i will be doing it way more um next year so yeah, he was an absolute charmer. He was very, very funny, um, and yeah, like we just had we had such a laugh for, for this hour. So here it is, the Slacker Podcast with Sean Paul in three, two. It's the Slacker Podcast. I've got a cup of tea, staring into my laptop, and I can see Sean Paul. Looking back Let's at me, and go. I'm not on YouTube. He's actually on Zoom. <laughs> How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, bro. That's not fair. I don't have my cup of tea. I should have known. <laughs> what's the, what's a, what's a, like? Well, I'm a good Irish boy. Like a good Irish boy has a has a cup of tea with them. Like, what do you make tea the same way in in Jamaica, or are you do, doing it differently? Um, I do make tea in Jamaica. My grandmother's an English woman from rugby. She's from Coventry, hmm. and moved there in the 40s late 40s i think or early 50s and uh, so I've, I've got a little bubble and squeak here and there and i like a sausage and mash here and there and i like a tea <laughs> here and there um but me now I've, I've grown up and i make ganja tea i mean <laughs> i make i mean i make wheat tea so that, that's my tea um i had some yesterday evening and i'm still feeling very fine was it? A, it must have been a very strong cup of tea that you had. Um, you know, when you ingest it, lasts very long. So yeah, um, for me. Do you um do you like do you have your own brand? Like it seems like like something like that. Like you should like have your own brand off, right? People ask me, and I've been approached by many companies. However, I just don't like what they're offering to me, and I haven't stepped to that field yet. I'm more concentrating on music. Uh, I do know a lot about weed, and, and I, I've consumed quite a bit in my in my time. <laughs> um, so so I'm looking into that, but it's not a rush for me. Um, yeah. It's always been around. It, it was it was popular to me and my family way before it was legal, and so it will always be around for me. I think. You know? Yeah, I think it's the, a herb that, that that I love. The attitude is. Um the attitude to it's like changed so much across the world like when when i was younger like it was 
seen as one of the worst things ever and now like yeah. in america oh, crazy. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and now in america like in a lot of the states it's it's legal and i would imagine in the uk it'll probably follow suit not too long mm-hmm. that's pretty dope i mean my father crashed a ganja plane in miami when i was 12 or 10 and uh yeah i was 10 years old it was 84 and um he was 11 and he um you know he never been back to the states since then and he was in prison because of stuff like this for many times i have many friends who have been locked up in jail for the same reason and then you know rastafarians was always telling us it's the healing of the nation and um you know everybody else doctors and and, and most people uh that were against it were saying it's gonna drive you crazy However, I started to know a lot of doctors and lawyers and people who just believed in it, like myself and, and like my fam. And so, um, you know, it's amazing that it's been changing. I knew that it would cause a, a weird uh, kind of effect on, on how it's grown and how it's, you know, just the regular farm operated and stuff. So that's changed, but I'm very happy that it, it's illegal. It's legalized mainly in, in a lot of areas now. Yeah, it it feels like a, a lot. Like you you can see that people are getting in on the ground floor, and that it becoming legal. I did a podcast with a, a group called Run the Jewels, like a rap duo from from um, New York and Atlanta, and yeah. like they were saying that they've got their own strain. And I was like, well, how do you go about that? Like, do you have to put a lab I coat on, like, <laughs> like smoke loads of different types of weed? And they were like, yeah, yeah. It was like, I love my job. <laughs> It's crazy because it's months of going through growing the plants up and then testing them and then growing to, testing out the ones you like and then growing some more of that same version and then weeding out the ones that aren't so good. And, and so it takes like six months to a year sometimes to find your own what they call phenotype. So I've been traveling a lot, so I haven't really had the time to do that. People have offered for me to do that, but that's kind of like buying a cat in a bag, you know what I mean? But if you have, if you have like uh, like obviously weed like uh, sort of you know like marijuana in your tea and stuff like that, but like back in the day, did you have it on the rider? Because like I'm assuming you would have went and played places <laughs> that it would have been like illegal, and you would have had to put no, it that on was, the rider as something else, like fruit and flowers. I think the, what they used to say, isn't it? You could probably do that now in certain states and certain places, but I would never do that before. You know, I have a Jamaican visa. It's kind of hard to travel. It's been 30 years of traveling for me. And so I just always wanted to make sure that I never was caught doing anything stupid yeah, that, yeah. that was against the law at the time. And even now, I, I would never fly with, with it because it's not legal everywhere, you know? So uh, You hear but, the stories but, of people like going through the airport and then accidentally find it in their pocket like halfway through. Yeah, it's happened to me before. You know what's, you know what, what's funny? When you ingest... When you take tea, you 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 can't it can uh, I don't know how to say this, but your farts smell like weed. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I've been walking through the airport already, and there's been you know those those sniffer dogs. Yeah. And I, I I I I've I've been you know sweating like you know I, I don't want to do anything around here that's gonna get that dog on my on my trail. So. Yeah, funny stuff. But I, I know someone that's happened to already in the airport. Uh, and they had no weed on them, but uh, 
people, uh, the dog smelled him out and was like, attack. So, oh my God. <laughs> he had I'm... to sit down for a couple of hours and be checked out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's probably probably one of the most expensive farts he's ever done like missing his, <laughs> like, missing his airplane missing his flight and all the rest of it I'm yeah exactly fucking exactly. hell <laughs> um, never knew they had expensive farts <laughs> yeah, big so crazy um yeah. so we're gonna, gonna get into a, a demo um not a demo sorry like a real early track i'll i'll, I'll put play it in now um in a minute uh it's yeah. Baby Girl, which is like the first the first single, right? First release, yeah, bro. Okay, right. So I'm going to blast it in now. Don't make no man take you up in all the village on the ground. Turn it for part the next girl around town. Make a stop by the lick with me and pop like a clown. Shot past the alley girl. I am the baby girl, don't cry no more. They tell me say you can't take the pain no longer. That's the way that boy. He knows the sun while up in good bit jungle Miss the baby girl, just dry your eye For I and I could never hurt you That's the way that other guy He told the limbs that he could kick and beat him And a pizza, the lip is blurter One like a creeper, and like a taker And if you really think go find another worker I'll be down the streets and I'm lying up to That's the stress in sea Even if a critical, my love for you is Joe It's mystical, if a passion why you listen to me, girl? Couldn't treat the home, you treat like him, little body qual. Miss the baby girl, don't cry no more. Tell me, say so you can't take the pain no longer. That's the way that boy bizarre. You know, this shot while loving could be stronger. Miss the baby girl, just dry your eyes. For I and I could never hurt you. That's the way that other guy. It's so tell him, say, you could have kicked and beat you and not tip her. I'm even a copper. Oh, we could have won to your body like that. The more you think you're looking on the quiet But I know if you take it, girl, you live because it means I don't see it a long time Me, I say you see me love you But I never want me kissing a girl They got the guy who wants to kick him to beat you Girl, if you take it, I'm a wreck But I will love you, it's a baby girl Just dry your eyes For I and I could never hurt you That's the way that other guy It's all tell him, say him to the kick and beat us Just to get a mix with salt in my tie Loving like this is only sin by jar No crazy office and girl cause that's just a game Love you for your body but more for your brain I'm gonna tell you this already, me never tell you again Don't make no one beat you girl, that's just a shame If I don't hate him, I don't want to do the same But you know if you run, come to town, fall for your protection It's a baby girl, don't cry no more Tell me say you can't take the pain no longer That's the way that boy is sore You know such a while loving could be stronger Miss a baby girl, just dry your eye For I and I could never hurt you That's the way that other guy It's so tell him to him could kick and beat him And a pizza, the lip is blurter One like a creeper, and like a taker And if he really if he go find another worker I'll be down the streets and I'm a lion of Joe That t-shirt's insane Even if a critical, my love for you is Joe It's his mystical, never partial why you listen to me, girl? Wouldn't treat the home and treat the like him little poly quality. Miss the baby girl, don't cry no more. Tell me, say you can't take the pain no longer. That's the way that boy be sore. You know, say Sean Paul loving could be stronger. Miss the baby girl, just dry your eyes. For I and I could never hurt you. That's the way that other guy. It's all tell him, say him could have kicked and beat you. I'm not too far. I'm not too far. 
suffer How him could have want to your body like that Him want you take the leg in and that's why you had But you know if you take it, girl, you left it Trust me, so that's it right a long time Me, I tell you, say me love you But you never want me kiss him of you The other guy wants to kick and to beat you Girl, you fit check it, say me wreck it But I will love you, Mr. Baby that was Sean Paul and Baby Girl, first ever single um, from yeah, from the man himself. Um, <laughs> when was the last time you listened to that? Like, when was the last time you heard that back? Oh, that's been a minute, man, and it it, it sounds so squeaky to me, you know. Uh, my voice, like, Baby Girl, I'm sounding like crazy. <laughs> I remember that was probably the first recording that came out for me, but I remember recording it and being like. It's just this song right there. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, that's dope. And I was like, damn, okay. Now when I hear it back, I was like, I wish I didn't listen to them. I wish I went back more. Uh, just because, you know, every artist has that side of them that's a kind of a pers- perfectionist. And that's one of the songs that it was a hit for me. And it, and, it, and it's, you know, I can still sing it today. And people are like, yeah, that's, I remember, remember that. You know, the day one fans, but also... It's one that I wish I had sung a little better in the studio. But yeah, dope song. That dope like, song, man. I mean, that, if that's the first thing that you've ever released, most people, most artists will go through like various iterations where they'll play under different names or they'll play in different bands or they'll release stuff yeah. and it might go well. Uh, very few people have a hit record or successful record uh, with their very first release. Like, I mean, that, that, that kind of like, crazy. yeah. I mean, you must have felt like, you were really on to something there because like bro it was a whirlwind ever since that i mean i had songs but none of them were really released uh yeah and i was on i was on a step out with Kara jarrett where he sung over one of bob marley's songs and i was in a verse but it really didn't come out it was a video on tv but so it wasn't my first release my first release was baby girl and um I just remember thinking, oh, it's going to be the same thing. Like, I'm going to release it. I'm going to keep on doing songs. And then the reaction, like, I remember standing up in a party in Jamaica and the DJ was spinning the rhythm and, you know, they, they put on mine and the whole place. And I was like, whoa. And it's, it's whirlwind ever since. People called me and wanted to do dub plates, shows, you know, ladies. It's been, it's been a good stuff ever <laughs> since. Even like, um, even holding a 45, which like you, ca- you, like you can't release a piece of music in Jamaica without it coming out on a 45, especially like, in these, um, like even just holding like acetate or whatever must have been quite special in itself and having a DJ play. That, that, yeah, that, to me, that, that, that warm sound that you do get with the acetate is, is, is different now, you know. Um, uh, and kids nowadays wouldn't know you know I recently in December I went to a, a, a club out here which was a younger people's club right so I went there and these kids are listening to music and I'm like damn this shit sounds fucked up it's <laughs> not not the songs but the, the system didn't sound right man and, you know I was I was complaining about that but the kids didn't feel the difference so to speak and it has a lot to do with a lot of people experiencing fo- songs for the first time now on your phone you know everything is squashed into a little thing not really hearing it in earphones really you don't hear the bass as good so they're used to not hearing it that great um and sometimes 
even though I know there's a lot more things out there like video games and movies and apps and whatever, I think also that is a reason why kids don't gravitate towards music as they did when I was a kid because you couldn't listen it really like just this. You had to have it on something that was like, you know what I mean, that, made, yeah, yeah. that you heard everything in it. So that could be one reason. I'm not saying it is the, the only reason. But uh, in that respect, it has changed a lot for me. And that could explain um, maybe why reggae and dancehall and Jamaican music in general is quite bass heavy because you have the, the sound system culture and people are outside yeah, listening to music. Like, each sound system kind of wants theirs to be bassier than the next because you can't really go trebly. You can't, you can't go, ours, ours is more trebly than yours. Do you know what I nah. mean? Nah, you have, to, you have to have the exclusives. You have to have things that um, stand out, you know what I mean, as a sound system. And also the sound system got to sound good. So the, the, the way we set sound systems up, hadn't been done before on earth. I've seen a documentary about it. Mm. So coming from reggae and dancehall is where the EP, the, the sound systems of every stage show now comes from. You know, you have the bass at the bottom, the mid-range in the middle, and the top end, the horns at the top. So yeah. uh, that's something very innovative from our culture, which I, I'm very proud of, man. I, I didn't, um, I only started like understanding what like dub plates were, um, maybe... Well, just after I came to Radio One, like I I, I grew up in Northern Ireland, like a dub plate does not have a dub plate there. Like, it's yeah, exactly. Like, what, like a, what is a dub plate? What kind of food do you eat off of that? <laughs> exactly, food from Dublin. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but like, I was I got into listening to sound system music and sound system culture and clash culture quite a lot, like around that time. Um, and yeah. um, I was watching a lot of the Red Bull Culture Clash stuff, and, ah, yeah. and I was like, "This is fucking sick!" Like, <laughs> Rodigan special songs, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, so, so I, like, explaining for people who don't know, hmm. it's like me, the artist. I'll have a song like "Baby Girl" that like you just played, and uh, sing it with Phil's name in it. So Phil said, "Baby Girl, don't cry no more." So I put your name in it, like for your listeners, and so it's a special song for you now. Uh, I think it's pretty cool when we do that. It gives me practice and it makes my sound more popular. You know what I mean? I got a shitload of dub plates then after that. Like, cause when I was on, the- <laughs> I was like, right, this is happening. I got loads of crime dub plates. I got lots of rap dub plates. And one of my favorites is, uh, um, you know, Style OG. Yeah. That Style OG, Style OG, when he was starting out, was coming through the building, and I told him that I was the new David Rodigan, that I was like the new dancehall reggae. <laughs> <laughs> he fucking believed me. So like, uh, uh, like about a month later, he sent me a track, and it was um, Bad Man, and it was like, uh, I'll not, I'll not do the accent, but it was like Phil Taggart's a bad man from London, and then just goes on and on, and I'm just like, this is a great. I mean, I'm not from London, but fuck it. This is brilliant. And then in my DJ set, I was dropping four dub plates to open my set. I mean, you couldn't have a bigger look. Like, <laughs> so wait, wait. He said you were from London, huh? Yeah, I was happy. To go. <laughs> I was happy to have a dub plate. He could have said I was from flipping wherever. Like, yeah. No, that's um, dope, though. That's dope. It is like that's dope. Who um, have you ever been involved in? Like many clashes and and stuff like that. Clashes, so to speak, in my. I, I, I grew up uptown, so uptown is a, what can I say, a suburban neighborhood, like it's, 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 uh, it's middle class kids, right? And um, so 
for kids in my neighborhood to be spitting dancehall. Like all of us did. We, we knew Shabba's lyrics or Supercat's lyrics. We would say them, but none of us, not many of us took it seriously. Like I could rhyme, I could do this on a track. I could, I could, I could have it out there, you know? So um, it's, it's, been, it's been funny to see the, the changes over the years. Um, as to now, a lot of uptown kids are a lot of different people from outside of even Jamaica are, are doing this genre. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And my vibe. when you get like, because well, you, you, you sort of came up like in a, in a like the, the uptown part of um, where you came up on, but like, what was the music that you had in your house like growing up? Like, what was the, the big artists and stuff? Um, for my mom, I was born in 73, bro. So my mom was like still on the Beatles and she was like, yo, check all of this out. So, you know, also learning everything that was popular in my country. Dennis Brown, Bob Marley, um, you know, Third World. Uh, and then when I was about 10 or 11, hip hop and dance artists started to be, become what it is, uh, you know, start to, to be what it is um, and become a lot more, I would say, for my generation. And um, I, just, I just got into those things like Supercat, Chabarangs, uh, LL Cool J, Run DMC, uh, Rakim, you know, Eric B and Rakim. So like all of those things were just flying through my head, influencing me that way. But as I said, the first foundations of music was definitely from my mom and my dad. They played the Beatles, they played uh, disco music, they played reggae. Hmm. So yeah, all of that. No. It could have went a completely different way for you because, like, you went to went to school and you sort of came from a, a, a heritage of great swimmers and water polo, water polo and swimming, yeah. And you sort of played for the national team a little bit uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, water polo is also a strange sport to play at a Catholic school. I went to a Catholic school, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And you sound like you went to a Catholic school way more than me because your name's Sean Paul Ryan. <laughs> This, like that's the most fucking name I ever heard in my life. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I I didn't go to Catholic school. I actually went to a Jewish school. Oh, did you? Out here, yeah. But they didn't teach. They just had the Jewish holidays. It was owned by, I guess, the Jewish people. But uh, yeah, we 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 learned. We were very in Jamaica. I think we're we're more accepting accepting of a lot of different cultures in that respect yeah uh, when you're a kid you grow up and there's no difference between the black and white really there's no difference between it's when we grow up that it becomes more of a class thing you know who has money and who doesn't because it's a small island but uh yeah what was the question again sorry i'm, I'm getting <laughs> I, I know. it's friday it's friday evening over here while we record this my my head's like half up my arse at the <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking in that teacup bro i don't know man. I'm, I'm sure it's like it's got it's i don't know it's got a funny leaf on the front of it um, <laughs> let's talk about your first show at carlos cafe what was that like yeah that was dope um you know big up to carrot jared RIP to him. He was the first person that was just like, come through to my place and, and, and sing Friday nights. I was like, all right. Because <laughs> he met me at a studio. Um, and, you know, I, I was there amongst people who were singing like Purple Rain and playing guitars and stuff and uh, uh, singing different songs like, more than words. 
is all I ever. And then I'm coming in like, hey, yo, we done alarm. This is how they get done. And people's like, what the fuck? <laughs> so it was a, it was a weird setting for me to start in. But I did get heads to turn and be like, oh, wow. Because most of the time it was just like a drink up, sing up thing. So people would be drinking and the dude would be singing more than words. And you're like, yeah, more than words. And you're drinking and you're talking. It's more that kind of stuff. And then when I came in with my lyrics, it was like, whoa. So it was every Friday night for like probably a couple months, one year. And I, I really only had one or two songs. I would sing the same two songs. Uh, <laughs> was, it a yeah. lo- was it a local thing or was it a tourist thing? It was local. Very more local, like after work jam on Friday night, people go there. It was like a, a Italian restaurant slash Lebanese restaurant kind of thing. So you could get hummus or pizza, and um, you know it was just a good little vibe, man. And people would go there after work, and so the show would probably start like nine, and it would go to twelve about that, you know. So so yeah, it helped set up on Friday evenings. And during those times I was in school too, I was doing hotel management in school at a college out here. So, you know, my day would consist of going to the school and then uh, going to set up. I also trained with water polo and, and, and uh, we were talking about swimming and water polo. Yeah, so hmm. my family, my grandfather, my father, my mother all swam for Jamaica. And so did myself and my brother. We swam and played water polo for Jamaica. So. My day consists of going to the school, going to water polo, and then on Friday evenings, I go set up and then uh, do the show on Friday nights. And you know, it just kind of led to me feeling more and more of the vibe, like this is what I want to do more. You know what I mean? So, so does it was it, really impromptu. Yeah. Does this heritage of great swimmers uh, run in your family? Because like you must have, you've got two kids now. Cause are they, are they going to be like national swimming champions, do you reckon? Well, well, one's nine months old, and she's still drinking the water. So she, <laughs> she hasn't gotten the concept of not drinking the, the pool or the bath water yet. But my, my son, three years old now, is going on four, and he's starting to, he's been swimming a, a year and a half. But since this lockdown, he started swimming so much more, so he could swim so much better. I've been at home, uh, how long now? Four months. Uh, Left here five times since this whole thing. So All right. he's been learning a lot of swimming. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, when you started out, were you good at toast, toasting as well? Or was it just singing and, and like a little It was bit? just kind of like I would emulate other people's songs, you know? So Super Cat. I say, um, where them there when they get to run out? Where them there when they food for them? And I was just kind of singing back his lyrics. Um, Shabbatou. I am mad, but I'm wicked in a bed. So, like, I would do those things for fun. And then, um, you know, when I was about 15 to about 17, I had this idea in my head that I was going to be a producer. So I, I told my mom, you know, she was like, okay, well, I tried to send you to music lessons, to piano lessons, and you, <laughs> you skipped that. You, you didn't do that. And yeah. I was like, yeah, but I just feel like it's natural in me. Like, I, I don't want to learn numbers and quarter notes and i don't want to do math i want to do music and mm. to me the music class was like quarter notes and stuff and i was like i never wanted to feel that i wanted to i wanted to play what i want what i felt yeah. like hearing so yeah and so i just got into music that way my mom decided to buy me a little yamaha casio keyboard 
that I begged her for when we went to a flea market one day. So she, she bought it, but didn't tell me about it until Christmas. And it had a crack in it and everything. But it had a drum machine section. And, um, you know, I would sit there and build these rhythms back. So I thought I was going to be an, uh, a producer. I never realized the MC in me until a few years later. I was probably 17. And uh, I saw a friend uh, who was in school with me. And he was a table tennis champion and I was a swim champion. And I saw him start to, to do this, go to the studios. And I was amazed by that, you know, and, and intrigued. So I started to, to, to follow him around. And he started, he started to record and, 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 and get songs out there. So his name is Don Ute. Um, big up Jason Williams, Don Ute. So he's the person who I saw doing it, which made me feel like, yo, I, I could do this too. I could really step out and do this. And a lot of other kids were wanting to do that, you know what I mean, from, from the area that we're from. And so, um, as I said, I started to follow him around. He would have parties and I would uh, help him out with the parties. I drive my van and pick up the, the, the liquor and drop it off at the venue and that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, it was kind of gradual moving from swimming to, to recording. Uh, it was just uh, seeing him do it that, that, that kind of made me kind of focus, you know? I feel like it's almost like it, it breaks parents' hearts when they see their kid going from, like, academia <laughs> and sport yeah, music. Because, like, it's, a- it's very rare like, in life. Like, I, now I can speak about this because I, like, I've played in bands and I've played, played instruments and, like, maybe my whole life around music, right? But mm-hmm. very seldom you see a loser professional or a loser like sports person. But <laughs> you tend to see a lot. He's always going to get his job, like, huh? Loser musicians. <laughs> like, yeah, there is. Like, that's that's how parents will think about it. So, like you know, I'm sure like did they have a conversation with you to go and like, you need to get your shit sorted or any of that? Or were they completely behind you the whole way? Uh, my mom was kind of like and skeptical. She's an artist herself. She and she knows what it feels like to put your uh, whole soul in a piece and then people just reject it like eh. um, or, or you know think that it's too expensive to buy and she um, she always told me you know don't do this <laughs> do something else don't do art yeah, do art for your own pres- for, you know pleasure and you know uh, preservance in your in your brain like but but don't try to sell it to people. It's, it's the worst thing. My dad, on the other hand, at the time when I started to rhyme and stuff, he was in prison. He went to prison when I was 13 and came out when I was 19. So uh, all that time when I was developing an interest, I, he would write me and I would write him. And when he did come out, he helped me out by getting my, my it wasn't a dub plate, it was a demo tape. He got my demo tape to Cat Core. And Cat Core is the... Uh, uh, a guitar player, uh, one of the lead singers in Third World Band, which my pops and him grew up together so uh, in the same neighborhood. So they were like, yo, he was like, come on over. And that's really where I got my start in, in uh, being able to record on anything like that, you know? What, what, what? Um, so, so, so Pops was, was more supportive, but he had to be, you know, he was locked away from I was 13 years old till I was 19. So when he came out for him to say, no, you, you shouldn't do that. You know, he just wanted to support me in any way he could. Uh, with my mom, I understand her, 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 uh, her fear. 
And, um, you know, she told me 10 years after the fact that she came to one of my first shows. I got a, a show in the, in the early years in a place called Halfway Tree, which is like the city center here in Jamaica. There's a big clock. And um, right, right behind one of these big banks, there was a big parking lot. And they had a stage show there in the middle of the hot sun day with me there. I was performing. Um, but I didn't know this until 10 years later that my mom went there with my grandmother. She <laughs> snuck behind was like behind a wall watching us from out in the crowd be like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> and she was not used to seeing me uh, just perform and be like that. Because around the house I could sing, but I never really spat a whole song or lyrics or nothing. Yeah. I, I never really did that. Kind of kept it to myself. Did it at school a little. But uh, yeah, I started to develop after. So that was the input with my mom and my father. Since then though, my mom's like my, my business uh, person, you know what I mean? She's the one who stopped her whole life to kind of make sure that I, I make something out of this and um, get my head in the, in the business type gear because uh, I'm more of the artist and she knew that. So she kind of put her art down for, for my art, which is, just something that I, I've, you know, I, I've, I've, I've always been very grateful for and thankful for. And a lot of people ask me at times, how does, how do, you know, how, how, how does it affect, you know, how do you last so long in the business and how does it affect your family life? And I was like, well, they're the ones that helped me to do this. You know what I mean? My mom, my brother, um, my brother also started his career as a musician, as a sound system dude, yeah. playing music for me, uh, just for sweet 16s and parties and stuff. Uh, and he, his, his sound system was the first people I did dubs for, was the first people that I recorded demos tapes with. Um, and he was in school at the time. He was in grade nine, which is the equivalent of third form here in, in, in Thing. So they would only play on the weekends, but every week they save their money up or they buy equipment and buy more 45s and you know how that game is. And um, so, so he also, when I blew up, he started to tour with me and he was my, he is part of my management team, but also he was also on stage with me singing as a backup singer for years. Um, so, you know, I like to tell people that even though at first mom didn't, fully support she is the backbone of, of how I do my business right now and, and yeah. my brother as well if I didn't have their support I wouldn't be so far and so long in the business I don't think hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. 
Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's but I think like in the music industry, you need to find people who are smart that have little bits to themselves that you don't have yourself and that you can trust. And I mean, who can you trust more than your family? Also though, like do people do say never work with your family? So like, yeah, <laughs> it is, it is difficult sometimes, but you know, um, I, I, I like to look at certain positives in life. Yeah. And, and to me, even though you go through the arguments, it's better to argue or, or, or discuss and reach to a, a better place for the, for the, for, for whoever it is. And I, I like to do that with family mainly, you know what I mean? Yeah. So much people on earth don't have good relationships with their family because of the arguments and they can't stand it. But I like to go through those, man, because, uh, you know, they, they, they are my rock, man. I care about them so much. So, so I don't mind those times, honestly. It, it, it really is better to me than working for someone or working with someone who just doesn't get you. You know, um, I work with a lot of people who are not my family also, but they are, my family is very intricate, a very big part of what I, of, of helping me out. You, you must have seen it happen over the years of like artists getting absolutely screwed over by um, like record deals, bad publishing deals, like uh, getting on <laughs> yeah. live shows. Like, I mean, like when it comes to music um, and generally any sort of creative endeavor, the last person to get paid is normally the the artist and manager yeah the creator <laughs> um that's 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 pretty that's pretty that's pretty uh nail on the head there you know um yeah. it, 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 it could be when people don't when people when you hear artists complain a lot uh sometimes it is them that was eager in the beginning to just sign away something real quick because they wanted to be in the business. Um, so I would say to younger artists, know what it is that you're getting into, like, you know, with the business side. Now with any contract that I have done with any company, in the long run, I always thought, man, you know, that could have been better. It could have been better on my side, especially because, you know, the record costs a dollar, I'm getting a few cents off of that dollar. And I'm the one who, Put it all together. I created it. So, uh, you know, there was a there was a necessary evil back in the day. I guess you could call it then. That you know, I would have to give all of most of my creativity to these people. They make the money and give me a, a piece of it. Mm-hmm. I still work with a record company, uh, and, and this is a time in my career that I've I've passed through a lot of those times, and I, I now own my music. 
And this record company, Island, has, has enabled me to, they, they gave me a contract that was pretty easy to sign yeah. in terms of, they allow me to produce myself also. They allow me to put songs out in the dance hall arena that doesn't really affect what they do. And so it's a great relationship in that respect. I mean, that, um, that's perfect. Also, uh, Island Records is like the ultimate Jamaican like, <laughs> label. I mean, well, isn't it? Bob Marley, right? Yeah. Yeah. And right now, Buju is on Island in the States as well, Buju Bantan. Um, so, you know, I, I, love, I love their input into what we've done as a, as a genre over the years. But as I said, for me, it's been a cool relationship. You know, as, as with everything, you always think maybe this or that could be better. But uh, it's been it's been an okay one for me this time around. How how important was like Shaggy for you in your early career? Because like he was there wasn't too many artists uh, from Jamaica that were going mainstream like in the nineties. Like and then Shaggy yeah. Shaggy kind of um, bucked, sure. bucked the trend, and that was like round about the same time, maybe a little bit before um, a good bit before before you released Baby Girl. So like you you would have seen Shaggy doing it. And must have thought, mm-hmm. well, this is the cheapest. I, I seen him at studios, and um, the first producer that produced one of my first demos, uh, his sister was a backup singer for Shaggy at the time. And so one Christmas, he was like, "I was like, I want to learn how to produce, bro." And I was nineteen, and he's like, "Come to the studio, and you know, I'll teach you how to produce." And his teaching me how to produce was was this the first whole two weeks he's like here take these wires and wrap them up and i was like all right and, I, <laughs> and that's what i did for two weeks learning how to produce right so so anyway uh shaggy came there one one evening because uh they, they were having rehearsal and the, the, the sisters were doing the backup singing and the dancing and stuff and um his his manager robert livingston heard me and heard the record I was like, yo, that's pretty dope. And Robert Livingston actually used to manage Supercat at one point. And everyone knows that I emulate Supercat. I, I, um, you know, my style comes from definitely what he did. I have my own vibes, which has grown to a different thing. But um, Supercat's my hero, so to speak. So when, I, when that happened, that was amazing for me. And um, Shaggy and Robert, even though they are not together as a management artist team anymore, they both have been very instrumental in giving me guidance throughout this whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, where they couldn't see eye to eye any longer and left each other's management artist team, they still um, give me good advice, as I say. And, and it's never been, it's never led me in the wrong direction. And, and, and um, so I'm always very, what can I say, very, appreciative of the relationship. I spoke to Shaggy yesterday. He, he has been in the States and he just came back to Jamaica last week. Uh, and as I said, uh, there's someone who I've always looked up to in terms of music and um, looking for advice within the business. Yeah. Uh, you guys should look out too. We have a couple of songs coming out uh, with myself and him and Spice. That's one of them I'll tell you about. And that will probably come out early next year. We were planning to drop it this year, but I don't think it makes sense anymore. So it's being mixed now, and we're going to kind of, you know, build up a, a plan 
to kind of release it with, with some format because there's too much stuff going on right now. Is know? it a, is it a club release, record? Really, yeah, it's a dancehall club kind of yeah. record. You um, can't have a club record out when there's no club, right? <laughs> exactly, kind of. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've released records since this pandemic thing. Yeah. And I have records to release, but I, I, I just don't like that one. And I just don't feel like it's time for it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, like, I always like, know that something's completely crossed over if it hits my ends, right? And that's Oma in County Tyrone, which is a tiny, small town in a very rural county, in a very rural country, country right? So, like, when, when Boombastic by Shaggy was over and you had, like, um, a load of, like, people that looked like me who were probably about, around about <laughs> like 10, 10 or 11 running around screaming, like, Mr. Boombastic, right? But the same thing happened <laughs> right? when we started going to nightclubs, like, for the first time. Like, I think I was, like, probably when Get Busy came out, what year did that come out? 2003? 2003, 2004, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I... I would have been 16. So yeah, I was going, I, I was going to night that. And when Get Busy came out, like that was the point where you might be sitting on the sofa with your girlfriend or whatever. <laughs> and all the girls would get up and bail to the dance floor and we'd have to run after <laughs> And that's how, no. you, that's how you know it's crossed over because like when, when it goes big like that in a summer as on Jamaica as, <laughs> as Oma, you know, it, you know, it's done well, but that album, Duddy Rock, like that was one of the, that was a record that like a, a lot of music fans that like opened their ears to dancehall culture, reggae. To the genre. Yeah. Yeah. To that. Yeah. Hey man. And it, I, I, I feel proud of that. And, and I'm glad that people, up to this day, you know, there's core DJs that when they meet me, they, they, they come to the backstage or the show or whatnot. I go to their radio station or, you know, they, they always have a, a winner of, of the first records and I sign <laughs> yeah. it up. You know what I mean? Um, amazing feeling to, to know that I've lasted this long. I mean, that was vinyl days, man. That was over 20 years ago. And, um, it's lightning in a bottle, really, because like you had the right timing, the right songs at the right time. Um, yeah. at just the, the right amount of hits. Like, I mean, it was just like every single thing that could work worked right and the right temperature as well yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no but but i say that often because a lot of people ask me how did you orchestrate all of it and i'm like bro i was just ready for the opportunity that's all it is you know people like shaggy open the doors internationally for this type of genre and music and i was just there ready to ready with my work so I, I think that, that's, that's what I concentrated on. I, I was only concentrating at the time at making songs that people in my own country would like to hear. And um, never thought it would break out, never thought it would break over um, as much as it did. And so I'm, I'm always thankful for that. What was it like having other people from all around the world, like famous musicians and stuff, reach out to you? to make music with them Crazy. because they wanted part of your culture like that. I mean, that's essentially what it was. Like you'd have, maybe like Beyonce would have like you on a, on a record or like, you know, producers would reach out to you because they wanted in on something that fresh. That, that felt amazing. And, and that people were saying, Oh, he's this new genre and this guy. And I was like, well, how come it's only my name? Be? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, Cause to me, I still look up to a lot of artists here. Bunty Killer, Beanie Man. You know, uh, people like Sizzler, Caperton, 
um, these guys put out quality music every time they go behind the, the mic. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it was just weird to me at the time. And, and, you know, I think that my style did stand out as different because I was more hip hop oriented, um, you know, and I could hang with that crowd. Uh, and, and that's it, man. Other than that, I don't know how or, how or what or why. I you just know I was ready for the opportunity. You had that sheen though, like that early 2000s uh, sheen, like cause you had the big video, I remember, like that's the era that they used to spend fucking tons on. <laughs> Millions of dollars on one song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause like, cause like, I mean, I didn't have satellite um, growing up, but my friends did. So like, anytime I go to their yeah. house, I wouldn't chat to them. I just sit in front of the TV, same shit, watch, watch <laughs> MTV or whatever. And exactly, uh, yeah, it was like, it just it felt everything felt big. Everything was big, um, mm-hmm. and and your tracks were just like just big club tracks. Like they they, it just feels like that moment. Yeah, and it feels like that sort of that moment and that style has been back for another couple of years since. Um, yeah, in, in recent days, but we'll 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 get to that like a, in a little bit because I wanted to talk okay. about like the, the the Grammys and and all the success that you had around that time, like. Mm-hmm. Is it is it difficult for that not to go to your head, or do you just like having your family there with you keeps you kind of grounded, or did you go off the the rails or <laughs> anything around then? I mean, nobody would blame you for it. Nah, every now and then you do, you know. Yeah, I remember times in in London. Uh, my management having to call downstairs and say, ah, uh, Sean had a little bit of a rock star moment and we need some maintenance up here. <laughs> well, have, have you, you ever know, thrown a TV out a window? Not like that, but being drunk and happy can destroy a hotel room for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, you know, you get into crazy things. But again, I was 24 by the time I was becoming famous in Jamaica. So I kind of knew myself. You know, a lot of artists, especially in recent times, are young when they start. Even Beanie Man, he was nine years old when he started to, 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 to spit and DJ and stuff like that. So I started late in the game and I think I just knew who I was. I mean, I, I knew who I was and I knew who my friends were. And I knew what the business was and I knew what business friends were. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and some of those business friends have become my real, true, honest friends as well. But, you know, the, it, it, you have to be able to separate that. And of course, yes, my family helped me to keep grounded and, and remember I'm a human being. And, and um, no matter how much people, when girls see me and say, oh, my God, I'm not a God. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a human being. I'm a tributary to the main. That's how I see myself. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I see human beings and um, yeah, so I try not to let it go to my head, even though sometimes I did go overboard in a couple of different places, but yeah. One of the funny things I always think about, like <clears throat> when you have like a real massive crossover moment, is that like famous people tend to only hang about with famous people after that because they only really understand <laughs> each other because they, they can't go out. Like, you know what I mean? I can walk to the, I can, I'm like a nighttime DJ. I can go wherever the fuck I want. Like I'm on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Do it. But like, yeah, that's exactly. why. Like, that's why famous people hang out with each other because they, they they can't really hang about and do normal things anymore. But it when you when you get big musically, there's always a movie star that latches onto you. Like there's always like a Brad Pitt or a Johnny Depp or a Matt Damon that like goes, "I'm gonna hang about with the cool music guy now." Who <laughs> who was your who was your movie friend? Oh, movie friends. Hmm. I 
I used to I used to go to LA a lot, and and I remember being in the company of Mina Savari quite a bit. Oh wow, right? Mina Savari, yeah, she's a cool girl, man. Um, good good people's always was conscious, even though she's a big movie star. And I was hanging out with you know you know what I mean with uh, with um, with other artists and and stuff like that. She was pretty grounded and. That was pretty cool for, for, for that experience. Um, I could tell you another time where I was in a club and I was talking, there was Nicki Minaj in the club, Rihanna was in the club, uh, Buster Rhymes was in the club, Spliff Star was in the club. And I'm talking with everyone and we drinking and we hanging out and there's this dude standing up beside me, but I'm not noticing who this is. <laughs> so one of my friends who's not an artist or an actor or anything, he's just like, yo, yo, I'm like, what? He knows him, right? So he's like, that's Leo. And I'm like, Leo. Who? And I look at him and he's looking at me and he's like, and I'm like, damn, Leo DiCaprio, man. Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio is standing up there, but he was shooting the movie, The Reverend, because he got this big old beard on and his long ponytail. So I didn't recognize him, didn't know who he was at first, but uh, I met him then. Uh, haven't really parted with much other a movie star, I don't think so, so to speak. Mina Savar is probably the only one that's a friend to me. Yeah, the 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 music and uh, everything. Like, I mean, it's always cyclical. I can always tell what music, uh, what scene is going to be big because Diplo is normally dipping his toes somewhere in it. Uh, I mean, like, <laughs> obviously, country music is going to be big because he's releasing a country record. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, yo, you need to. You need to you need to scoop me on what's coming after that. You know I, mean? <laughs> I don't know, man. Ask Diplo. He seems to know. Like, it's like maybe it's Irish traditional music. Like, listen, I'll get you on like a, <laughs> some Irish. Yeah, get me in, <laughs> get me in the know, bro. Get me in the know. But <laughs> Diplo does have that knack. You, you're right. He does yeah? You're he right. Does. He does have um, that knack. But it, it's all cyclical, and it, it, it takes a while. It goes out of flavor. It comes back in. It's the same with like rock music, hip hop music, drum yeah. and bass, like whatever. Hey, man. It's, it has a moment, it goes away, it comes back. And mm-hmm. dancehall culture, I mean, like, feels like it went away um, for a while um, and, mm-hmm. and has really, really come back with a vengeance. Like, spe- I, yeah, I can, like, especially in the UK, I know in the US as well, you've had, like, since two, you had, like, crossovers with Bieber and Drake and stuff, but, like, in the UK, it, it is essentially the biggest mainstream mu- uh, music at the moment, but kind of like mm. tinged in different bits of genres. Mm-hmm. So like with, with um, uh, reggaeton a little here and, and with Afrobeat a little there, mm. but I, I just think that, and, and with pop music a little here and there also, and I think that that's just a testament to how huge this music really has become. Um, and you know, when, when you said like sometimes it's cyclical and sometimes it goes around for the artist, it, it never goes nowhere. Like, you know, the rock, the rock musician, even though heavy metal with long hair was out by the time Kurt Cobain was in, those still heavy metal people, they still were doing their thing and they're still up to this day touring. Uh, some, some bands and some artists and some people like, look at Willie Nelson, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shut so, up. Yeah, shout out to Willie. So, so uh, for, for, for someone like me, like the genre, it didn't go nowhere and I still continue to do it. Now, I had to blend it with other popular musics to be heard. Uh, 
seeing that dancehall music was the, I mean, I won an American Music Award and a Grammy within two years of each other. Um, I was like the most popular artist for that time period. Uh, and then, as you said, I have this listenership now with a billion, with a five million and 40 naughty shorties listening to me, right? So uh, when I, when the time kind of moved from there and started to go to dance, I had to put some dance into what I was doing. Yeah. But I always did that with saying, this is a dance influence track, or this is a pop music influence track. Like I had one called Other Side of Love, which was just very pop oriented. Um, and she doesn't mind also. Uh, they were dancehall songs, but pop oriented and dance oriented because at the time, the cycle had changed and dance music was, was, was the hit, you know what I mean? But uh, as you said, it's gone cycle back around now to the point where pop people, dance up, I mean, reggaeton people, Afrobeat sound is, is similar to it right now. There's music in Trinidad that's, even though it's soca, there's new music coming out called Zessing Music, which the kids are spitting like dance art acts. What's that? You know, the, the, yeah, so, so it is so huge. Zessing, yeah, you should check it out. There's a kid called, there's a kid called um, Prince Swami from Trinidad, Prince mm -hmm. Swani. But he just talks a lot of bad man things and stuff <laughs> like that. But, but honestly, it doesn't sound like Trinidad music anymore. It sounds like dancehall, you know, him, him a chat, he's spitting. Uh, grime music also has a lot yeah. of influence from, from what we've done. So Big time. I'm just proud of my genre. And no More matter how, how much cycles come and we're not in the in now or we are in the in now, I'm still proud of it. I'm still going to do it. I will blend it with other things, but um, I will always stand up for dancehall and wave that flag. I had I had a complaint a couple of years ago, which a lot of people kind of get me wrong about. You know, Drake's doing dancehall, and 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 people ask me what about it, and I'm like, I just wish they would give us accolades. What yeah. I mean by that is, it's not they, they can't do anything by giving like all they can do is to shed light and say that this is my dancehall single. Because think about it, if I did a country and Western album tomorrow because you told me that <laughs> it's the next music coming in and I decided to do it. I couldn't really put that out and say, this is Sean Paul's newest dancehall album. If it sounded country and Western, it would be like, what is the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> and Willie Nelson and, 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 uh, you know, um, RIP to Kenny Rogers, they would come after me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, when these other cats are doing, I, I would have to say, I would have to say, this is my country, this is Sean Paul's country and Western album. That's how I would approach it. Now, even when I blend music, I say, this is dancehall music, but I've blended it with hip hop or dance or whatever is popular at the time. They don't never give the accolades to us. They just take it. And a kid who was nine years old, who is now 15 or 16 years old, He's like, this is so innovative. I've never heard nothing like this before. And it's like, no, nah, bro. It's, it's the new, it's this artist's newest music. He's innovative. I'm like, no, because if he did say, if the artist did say, yo, thanks for loving my new single. It's a dance hall oriented single. Big up Jamaica, big up dance hall music and popcorn or whoever the fuck you want to big up. 
but it's never done in that way. The only person who I ever seen do it is Rihanna, and I'm waiting for her fucking album to come out because uh, she said it was a dancehall album at first, and then it came out, and it was one single, work, work, work. The rest of it was more eclectic and that and hip hop and R&B sounding that 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 she usually does. So I was I was looking forward to hearing her dancehall album, but I I thought and she still is is apparently going to put one out. And I thought that was really cool of her to say that I'm doing a dance hall album because that gives power to it. And it gives respect to, to it, to a genre that you now feel that is so important that you have to take a piece of undo. So, so uh, big up to her and um, big up to everybody doing it. But I just wish that you would be like her and say, listen, this music is so huge. I want to do a, a track on it. You know what I mean? There's, there's French Montana and um, Sway Lee. That track is dancehall, you know? Uh, there's even a Taylor Swift song that I've heard. Do, 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 do. And she's like, <laughs> what you wanna say? That's dancehall, man. So, yeah. <clears throat> but it, like, it's dancehall influence. And so, it, sorry, I just wanna hear that more. If the, yeah. if the pop genre, like, lifts from a certain style then they face then that style eats do you know what i mean so like <clears throat> if if you've got uh kanye or you've got taylor or you've got bieber or you've got like any huge pop stars that just go this is why i like this mm-hmm. then that that genre eats because then that yeah. genre gets bigger and those people get paid more and it, and it spreads around i guess with the bigger sort of pop artists like some 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 of them maybe don't write their own beats, maybe they don't write their yeah, own Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe and, and, and that's, that's part of the issue. So, so it's not for me to, to be bashing everybody all yeah. the time. But when I did make those statements, it blew up like, oh, he's upset at Drake. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm just upset at the fact that none of these cats are saying, whoa, dance on music is huge and I'm going to do a song. You know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes it is testament to the lack of input that they may have had on the record because like I always find it very funny when there's when artists that are that clearly don't write anything to do with their music and just turn up and sing it get asked about the song because I'm like well, what the fuck would they know about this uh, they didn't write it yeah, like, so tell us about this song uh, well <laughs> the team of it's a nice song <laughs> I like to sing it <laughs> exactly yeah. the, the 12 writers uh, got together at a camp and they wrote this song and they thought that it would suit yeah. me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do tend to have a lot more respect for people, who, artists who write their own songs too. But I mean, singing is a great talent, man. I mean, you know, Big time. if you have an amazing voice, someone else writes your song. That's cool to me. But yeah. I have more respect for people who are able to write and produce and sing it as well. You know, with with the stuff that you're putting out at the minute, like uh, you've got got the more sort of like pop oriented stuff like calling on me and then you've got more yeah. other stuff like bad in a bed and uh back it up uh, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I, I i've always said like i'm a massive fan of listening to like grime music and patwa and stuff right but yeah. <laughs> not not for me i'm well, not i won't be i'm not able to say anything in patwa without sounding <laughs> the worst thing ever yeah <laughs> what i'm saying yeah uh, man. but uh yeah, so like, is it a case of like having this big? Because you you can write pop bangers, you can hang with the 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 top pop, um, as as you've shown like in the last couple of years with like Sia and um, Clean Bandit, um, mm-hmm. but it's like almost going back to the movie star adage. Like it's like 
one big pop record and then a big sort of dancehall club record, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think that I think that coming going back to the argument I had before, when I was when I was young in the business and then I blew up, I got so much listeners that don't really listen to other than dancehall, so to speak. There's a lot of people I help to introduce other artists too. Like when I do songs with uh, Conscience or, or Sasha, or, or, you know, or Chico on my, on my album back in Dutty Rock days. But these are dancehall artists. But then, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot to be said for gelling the whole thing together, you know? Yeah, big time. So what what does this like hold for like uh, an album? Like what type of album are you gonna release? Like is there gonna be one this year, next year? What's what's the story? What's the scoop? I don't know. Next year, I mean this year there's there's the anniversary of my first album. Um and, and people are trying to get me to do back some hits and I, I don't mind, but I, I just always have been on doing new music, you know what I mean? Mm. Um which is crazy and funny because right now I'm sitting on a lot of records that have been new or they're new to the public because the public hasn't heard this. But uh, um, so have you got a have you got a backlog of records ready to go then? I do that I'm trying to release, but since this pandemic thing and this lockdown, I've been kind of depressed to tell the honest truth, and I haven't felt like spitting or rhyming. I did something, is that- one or two things. Is that because of the situation of COVID or is that like just because you're stuck in the house? Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I, you know, when there's an earthquake in Haiti, when there's a tsunami in Japan, there's riots in, this, in America right now, like these things affect me. I'm an artist. So hmm. I never I've, ever want to be someone who just comes out and says, Bleh, about a situation. I like to take it in first and say, and, 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 and say, what's going on? But this year, there's been a lot of fucking shit to take yeah, in, bro. I feel you. I mean, there was almost a nuclear war in January and then Australia was burning down when I was over there. I couldn't even breathe. Then I got back over here and this shit's just chasing me. You know what I mean? Because the first two cases in Australia landed there when I was there. And I was like, fuck. Oh I took God. a 22 hour plane ride back home with a mask on. It was horrible. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking all of these things. And then now it starts to come over here. And then you, you're seeing people in my age group and people who have asthma, like myself, being really affected by it. And then these riots and, 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 and people standing up for justice. And I'm like, I'm trying to take it all in so I could give it back to you all. But it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, like, I, I'm just, like, finding that, like, I get, I get like that. I get like that big time, man. Um, yeah. well, I get like that because I consume too much. I consume too much. I'm just on yeah. Twitter all the time. I'm on Instagram all the time. I'm listening to people. Yeah, exactly. The thing is, the, the human brain is not designed to be listened to. Listen to so many opinions once in a all day. All the time, yeah. You're meant to listen to like two other people, like your kid and your missus or something like that. That's <laughs> kind, of, <laughs> kind of it, right? Like that's yeah. like opinions that really matter. Yet you scroll and you read ten opinions in like ten seconds, and you're like. Fuck my brain. They're all different. Fuck my brain. And it kind of, yeah, it kind of fucks with your brain a bit. And so, so you know, I tried, I'm trying to do that and trying to, to, to just figure stuff out. Like, I hate this word, the new norm, but I mean, it is what it is. You know I mean? I'm trying to feel normal again. Yeah. Uh, so, 
So back to the, what you were saying before, though, about me blending the genre, like the, the more pop thing with Tovlo and then the more dancehall thing with Bucket Up There and songs like that. Uh, I had to keep the big listenership of these people who like these pop records. And I also feel a sense of responsibility and a sense of competition still to still compete with these artists here and, um, and, 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 and take part in the history of, of what's going on in the music here. And it's part of the reason why I'm also producing here too. Uh, so yeah, I, I just didn't get to say that. I put that back in. I reckon like that we will get like a glut of your music. We'll get a lot of it, a lot of good music coming from you, like uh, towards the end of the year, maybe next year. So <laughs> let's, I hope let's, so. let's hope that it, it, it rains in a new era. Sometimes things need to burn down to build back up again. I've been telling people that so much, you know, for, for even when supernovas happen after that, there's all the magnesium and the, everything in the, in, in the, in the atmosphere and it, Builds planets and stars, man. And so you have to have some form of destruction sometimes. And so while this stuff is happening, I'm, I'm rebuilding as we speak, as you said. But uh, just trying to take it one day at a time, man. I have other songs that I'm going to release soon, as I said. It's one with Shaggy and Spice and myself. But it also is time sensitive. I, I don't feel like putting party songs in people's faces right now. I think we need inspirational songs like Calling On Me and um, songs of upliftment. And yeah, people want to have fun, but it, it ain't the same type. It's not going to be the same club scenario. So uh, I still have those songs, but I, I won't put them out as much, I don't think. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Let's people say I need to focus right now, man. And music can help that focus. Yeah. I could sit and talk to you all night, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't think you want me back in here for about five hours from now. Um, <laughs> Mr. Sean Paul, thank you so much for taking the time out to come on the podcast. Um, I've had an absolute blast chatting to you. It's been so fun. And good luck with um, the, the, the rest of lockdown. May we all come back to normal and may we get back to releasing loads of records and back to a fucking club. <laughs> yeah, bro. Well, ready. And thank, you, thank you so much for having me. And um, just big up to all the fans and everybody out there checking it out. I hope you learned something. I hope it was uh, educating and also entertaining. Big up yourself, rude boy. See you, later, man. See you later. Cool. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.